Hello, and welcome to the podcast on Emmanuel Assemblies of God in Knoxville, Tennessee. We're so glad you've taken the time to listen. If you're ever in our area, we invite you to join us for one of our worship services. For times and locations, please visit at EmmanuelAG.com. I want to segue into uh, what we have today as we continue Advent. How many of you guys were able to make it last week and we kicked off Advent with with hope? And if you missed that, I would encourage you to go back, listen to the podcast. Christian did a great job. He he loves this time of year. Uh, Yeah, yeah, thanks, Jay. Give him a round of applause. He brought a crew with him. I apparently don't draw the crowd the same way that uh, Christian does. I I don't know. We're just going to let him preach again next week. Uh, but no, we're excited just to continue the, to build on the expectancy and the hope of this season. Um, I think that's one thing, boy, we need right now, right? It's some hope. We need something that we can look forward to. Um, and, and Christ gives us that in this life. And the perspective that he allows us then to, to gain, to exchange ours for his, one that is eternal, um, is crucial, I think, today in 2020, probably more than ever. Um, I think about my grandparents and the stories I heard about the Great Depression. I think about some of the things that they uh, endured and lived through and, and came out of a little bit different, right? My, my grandma, I can't tell you how many times we would have stacks of napkins in every glove box at the house, and they were from every restaurant you had been to that month, right? Candy's, uh, Candy's grandmother that we would go and visit up in Illinois, you, she never cooked in her oven, but in it were all the styrofoam cups she had gotten and the take-home dishes and the nap. She stored all these takeout things in there so she could reuse them in case of hard times. And it was just a perspective that had been changed through an experience. And, and I think our perspective from this is going to be changed as well. But I think we have to be careful about how we allow it to be shaped. I think what BJ was saying is, is very, very very, very true about this year that I think the Lord has allowed some things to be stripped away from us in Christianity, uh, in our nation, some things that we had become accustomed to, a way of doing things, even in the church, that we're finding out what really is it all about? What really is essential, so to speak, that buzzword even from March, right? What is essential within our faith? And I think that the hope, the joy, the love, the peace that we find in Christ, we're going to see is going to be core to it all. Uh, So as we build on today where we started in Advent, would you go with me to the Lord in prayer as I just ask Him to speak through us today? Lord, we thank You for the power of Your Word. I thank You that as I was reminded this week that Your Word is living and it is active. God, we're not going to read from a book with just dull words, but God, we know that it is the power of life and death that can literally transform our hearts and that when you send it forth, it's not going to return void. It's going to accomplish what you send it to do. So Lord, I ask that as we dive into your scripture, into your holy word today, Holy Spirit, you would activate it and speak a now word to each and every one of us. I believe there are many needs in this place. Some we're aware of, some we're not even aware of. But Lord, you are in the process of renewing all things in our life. And so we just give you, we give you freedom. We give you, uh, have your way in this place, in this time. 
that you would continue to just encourage us, to give us perspective, to allow us to live um, with a hope that transcends time and space, that allows us to see the finish line of eternity where we will be with you forever. It's in your name I pray. Amen and amen. Hey, hey, hey. So Christian, he gives me a hard time about these things that I like to repeat. Um, One of them is when I step up and I'm like, all right, all right, all right, all right, like I'm Matthew McConaughey or something. And then, and then this last week, we were getting ready for a podcast. We were interviewing a young lady, phenomenal uh, interview with her, uh, Crystal Brown. And she just, man, she started preaching on her podcast. It was so good. And I, I wanted to start, I was like, do I, do I say all right? And I started saying, hey, hey, hey. He's like, that's Fat Albert, Michael. That's nuts. I just like to repeat words. Anybody that repeats words, I'm going to gravitate towards that. So. I guess that's my thing. Amen and amen. All right, all right, all right. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> if you've got any more, just text them to me. I'll use them, I'm sure. Fat Albert is good. <laughs> Thanks. I appreciate that. So we're going to continue to build on the, um, the unexpected announcement that came to Mary. And Candy shared something, and it just I thought it was really interesting as she was talking about it during worship, about how the Father in heaven would entrust his son to humanity. I mean, what a, what a perspective. I always think about it. It's always stuck with me that God literally put on flesh for the rest of eternity. You know, he didn't have flesh before the incarnation, before entering this world into a womb. He wasn't wrapped in skin in heaven, but he chose to wrap himself in what was made of dust, how he created us for all eternity. But then for Candy to, to add to that, that, he entrusted him to mankind, to a woman, a woman named Mary that we know so well about. But he is still doing that today, isn't he? He is still entrusting himself in relationship to humans, to fallen mankind, in the hopes of seeing that what he came and paid the price for that would actually materialize, that redemption and relationship would be restored as it was in the garden, that we would experience that fellowship again. And so that's the unexpected hope that I think we find in this season. And I want to go back and visit just a little bit of what Christian started talking about. I really love this particular verse that he was reading, Hosea. Hosea 2.15. Oh, Christian, this is one of my favorites when when we talk about how hope is opened. He says there, he says, There I will give her back her vineyard, speaking of Israel. I will give her back the things that, her vineyards, the things that once were flourishing, the things that satisfied, the things that had been the heyday. You remember it in this light. I'm going to restore that. And he says, and I will make the valley of Acor a door of hope. And this is what I think is really interesting. The valley of Acor. Do you, the valley of, literally, Acor means trouble. And it was given that name. So think about the trouble that we pass through at times. How the Lord... Only he can allow the trouble we walk through to become a door to hope. It's so beautiful. But this, I don't know if you remember, do you remember Achan back in Joshua, the sin of Achan? It's, so they, were, they had just marched around seven times, right? Jericho, the walls come tumbling down. Do not take the, the things that is considered uh, sacred at this moment. It is consecrated to the Lord. Don't go in there and start becoming a Lord by the gold and the women and whatever you see. Don't start taking that. But Achan's like, I wonder if anybody's going to see me. I wonder if I can just stash a little bit for myself. I wonder if the Lord, it's the same question that we've been hearing, Christians, since the beginning. Did he really say? 
did he really mean, oh, God, does it, oh, just a little bit, it's not going to matter, right? Not trusting him fully, Achan took what he wanted, and he took these things that were to be consecrated to the Lord. In Joshua 7.1, he says that the Lord's anger burned against Israel because of Achan's sin. This is where this whole valley gets its name because literally Achan had opened up a nation to trouble. He had opened them up to God's judgment. But even in the middle of that, the prophet here is declaring to his people, what you are experiencing even as a nation in this valley of trouble, I am going to open up as a door to hope. And he did it through Christ he did it through the promise of the one that was to come. And he says, there, there you will respond as in the days of your youth, as in the day that you came up out of Egypt. This is such a depiction of release from slavery, of, of, of just the rejuvenation of finding freedom and newfound relationship for me in the one who, is, who has saved me, who has set me free in Christ alone. And I think this is such a beautiful passage as we look at hope and especially in the middle of whatever you may find yourself in. 2020 has been full of trouble, hasn't it? It's been full of trouble that the media wants to, to hype up. It's been full of polarization, as we talked about, what was it, the pain of polarity this week that we sense in our, in our country. It's been, it, we see so much trouble in the, in the health crisis and, and, and however you view things, it, it really doesn't matter. It's been filled with so much heartache and trouble. But this is, I believe, if we will look to the one the creator of it all, it can truly be a door bigger than any other that will lead us to hope. And hope, for me, is so attached to what we're going to talk about this morning. Hope is so attached to joy. These things, I think, have so much in common because neither one of them are based upon our circumstances. Hope and joy, are, it's irregardless of your situation. To hope for something it defies the odds. And to choose to have a perspective of joy is to not live short-sighted. It, it's not going to be based on, on what you're currently experiencing. In the, and for me, the lesson and the takeaway, I'm going to just go ahead and let the cat out of the bag. What we take away from, from hope and especially joy that the Lord brings us and offers us, it's not based on what you're going through. It's not even based on a valley of trouble. It's not going to be based on what if or what could be or what might be or what is even defining our perspective of His joy in our life. His joy is in spite of and it overcomes. It's despite, of, it's despite what we're walking through during all season of our life. Would you go to me to Luke chapter 2? We're going to go to where the shepherds were living out in the fields nearby. And we're going to look at a little bit of where joy arrives on the scene. And then I want to talk about a perspective that I see from Scripture from beginning to end of how joy manifests itself. And we see it in the example of Christ, but we also see it in what we are called to do in living a joyful life. So are you there in Luke chapter 2 with me? We're going to look at this first Christmas story. And someone was asking me, like, how's your week going? I'm like, oh, it's been good. Right now at Kiko, we're in Groundhog Day. Every day is Christmas for like three weeks. Tara knows they're like, all right, we just load the truck with more toys. We're teaching the same lesson. We have the same parts. We sing the same song. It's Groundhog Day right now. So I'm like, I don't even know how my day's going. They're all the same. <laughs> they're all the same, rain or shine, sleet or snow. They're fun, though. The kids are loving it. And so 
we're, this is one of the stories I get to tell uh, to the kids. And so I feel like I'm going to tell it one more time. Here we go. Luke chapter 2, verse 8. And so there were these shepherds that were living out in the fields nearby. Nearby where? Nearby where Christ the King had been born. They're keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them. I believe this is potentially still Gabriel, who has appeared to Mary, who's been the, the proclaimer of Christ's coming. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. I don't know how you would respond to an angel and the glory of the Lord literally lighting up your field at night, but I probably would have been a little scared too. So they are terrified, and so the words are the same that they were to Mary. The angel says to them, do not be afraid. All right, yeah, okay, easy for you to say. <laughs> you brought all this terrifying presence with you. But he tells them, I am bringing you good news. This is the euangelion, the gospel that will do what? It will cause, it will elicit, it will bring about great joy for all this is what the angel was declaring in the field that night. And this is what we continue to declare today. The good news. The good news that will cause joy if we allow it to. If we truly receive, if we have ears to hear, right, as the Spirit would speak this good news to us. Joy for all humanity. And so he goes on. Today in the town, you know it, of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And then suddenly, whew, more people come, right? It's not just the one angel. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, and they began praising God and saying, they, they gave this song, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rest. Now, I love this part. That when the angel had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, I guess let's go to Bethlehem and let's see this thing that's happened, which the Lord has told us about. And so this is, this is the verse I really want to hone in on, is that what it brought about, this good news that they were declaring was what would bring about great joy. And I think it's... It's just, it's our nature, it's human tendency. We're kind of waiting for the bottom to just fall out. It's like even when, when times are really good, you're like, yeah, man, I'm I just waiting for it to end because I know that the good times and the bad times, they just, it's the ebb and flow of life. Many of us are not waiting for good news. Most of us are kind of like, yeah, I'm kind of expecting mediocre news at best in my life. Maybe some a little bit better news, but usually the bad news is what I'm going to or we just typically don't, we're just not expecting good news. And I think this is, this is the sad thing of even in 2020 is we don't have a perspective of even the gospel that we share and we have being that great of news. That we have something worth sharing with someone who was walking through a difficult situation that is living in financial struggle or health, you know, health issues, or that we actually have some really, really good news for them. We have some good news. And the angel that declared it then still chooses to use messengers today, and it's me and it's you, to share the good news that Christ, yes, has come, 
And here is what he has done. And this is what he continues and wants to do now in your life. We have good news. I don't have just so-so news for you. I don't have okay news. I don't even have like, uh, maybe better than what you're reading in the news. (laughs) I've got great news. This is the gospel that what you can't do for yourselves, you're, you're getting it. You were never intended to because Christ has done it. If you'll accept the good news, it will fill you with what? Joy. Our hope is in Him, and it will cause great joy if the people will hear the good news. We have something great to share. And so I want us to look at what joy does, because Christ our Lord is worth rejoicing over. He is our joy. And I'm going to go to Psalm chapter 16. This is one of my favorite passages um, in the Old Testament as we talk about joy. And I want to set up a few verses that I see in Scripture that almost give us an equation. Um, That's just the way my mind works. I kind of see like, oh, if this verse adds to this verse, then we get this verse. Um, For me, I kind of see, I see him adding together like this. And and Psalm 16 is going to be the first piece of this equation when it comes to joy. It says, I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. And the psalmist continues, Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. So what my heart is receiving now, I am going to also verbalize. And my whole body will enter into his rest, his peace. A lot of times when we receive some good news, we receive it up here, but we don't translate it. That's a good song. We don't allow the good news to translate to our heart. And I think this is so crucial that we allow good news to really translate to our heart because from our heart do we live and it should be reflected in what? In in our speech. And that's what the psalmist is saying here. Out of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so the psalmist got that too. Therefore, my heart is glad. It It rejoices at what is in God's presence being declared. And my tongue also speaks these same things. It rejoices in my body as a result enters peace. If right now your body is is just tense all the time, you're living in stress, I would encourage you to get in God's presence, to allow your heart to be filled with the gladness of the Lord again. Because when that happens, what you declare begins to also imitate how your body is going to align with the way it was created. And and much of it is perspective, but it is spiritual in, in nature. And so the psalmist continues. He says, because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, nor will you let your faithful ones see decay. This is a prophecy also about Christ. He would rise again. He says, you make known to me the path of life, and you fill me with joy in your presence, your eternal pleasures at your right hand. One of my favorite verses about the joy of the Lord that he gives us, it is found where? In his presence, in his presence. And so this may seem oversimplified or too easy, but for me, the equation of scripture here starts here. It starts with, if I want to be filled with joy, then I need to get in what? I need to get in his presence. I need to start there. I need to make up my mind each day. And I've got four kids. I get that it's not always easy. And deciding that I'm going to get up a little bit earlier when they've been getting up all night to get in his presence, it's, it's still crucial. It's still, it's my life source. It is the only way that I can continue getting up all night and make it through the day 
is that I've been in his presence. That I've been in his presence. And so for me, it is, it is that we would find his presence and what would come from that is the joy that he fills us with. This is the path of life that he is making known to us. He fills us with his joy in his presence, with eternal pleasures. And a few weeks ago, I mentioned how we are so much more interested in the outcome and the results, right? We want, God, I need, I need strength to make it through today. I need a miracle in this area of my life. And we want the breakthrough. We want the outcome. We want the answer, right? But he, more oftentimes than not, is more interested in the journey, in the process, in that we would rise in the morning and meet with him. He's more interested that we would just, we would decide, you know what, you're more important than sleep right now. You have my heart, and you have my schedule, and you have, you have everything, because God, I know that without you, I am nothing. I need to be in your presence. And the result is that, of that is finding his joy and finding that he begins to work in our hearts in his presence. I think had Achan been able to find God's presence and allow his heart to be tenderized, he wouldn't have been drawn towards the things of this world as easily. I think that's what we would find if now that we have access because of Christ, because of the unexpected one that has arrived on the scene, we have access to boldly approach his throne of grace, access to God's presence so that our heart can be filtered before our Father. And now the draw is towards His presence and it's greater and it's stronger because what we consume, we will then also crave. What we digest, we will then desire. And the things of this world will glow sadly what? Dim, right? Because all we want is what we have tasted and what we have seen, that the Lord is good. Amen? And so this is the first step of this equation for me, that, that in His presence is fullness of joy. And then I want to skip to another part here. I want us to go to Nehemiah 8. This would be one of my second favorite verses, right? They're all good, Christian. They're all my favorite. Nehemiah 8 is he talks to the nation of Israel about how they are going to be able to endure and make it through rebuilding the walls. So this is about 150 years post-Nebuchadnezzar destroying uh, Jerusalem. And they, this is, so picture generations, generations of people of promise who have lived in despair. 150 years. 150 years you've lived and it's looked the same way. Your grandma lived here. Your great-grandma lived. This is what it's always looked like. This is the way it's going to be, right? It paints a lot of the pictures of your dreams and your visions for your future. But two folks arrive on the scene who really call people back to the covenant with the Lord, Ezra, really a man of God who would read the scriptures and the covenant before the people to remind them, no, this is not what you're destined for. What you're looking at is not God's fulfillment. Don't settle for this. And I think oftentimes we do the same thing, right? That's our tendency to settle for what we've always known, even spiritually, you know, physically, mentally. What, what was for our parents, we're going to struggle with as well. No, it doesn't. it's not meant to be that way. And Ezra declares the promises of God by reading the scripture. And Nehemiah, he's a real good, he's an organizer. God calls him as a leader to help the people see how are we going to begin seeing what God called us to. And it, we're going to do it by starting with what's right in front of you. 
everyone in front of their house. Everyone inside your house is going to work with what's outside of your house. You're going to start rebuilding the wall that is literally in your front yard. That's how we're going to do this. And so Nehemiah tells them, he says, hey, go and enjoy choice food. Because they've literally been listening to Ezra read the scripture, and the people are bawling. They're like, oh my God, God's word. And you're like, why are they crying? They are hearing a depiction of what God called them to, and it is so opposite of what they are seeing in front of them. They are reminded that this is not what we're living in. And they are torn up, but they don't know how to do anything about it. And so Nehemiah says, hey, go and just and go, go eat. Stop thinking about this for a moment. Go enjoy something nice. Take yourself not to habaneros, but somewhere a little bit nicer, Josh. A little bit, what would be nicer than habaneros? I don't know, soccer talk. Go and enjoy some choice food and sweet drinks and, and send some to those who have nothing prepared. He says, this day is holy to the Lord. You're about to see something remarkable. Don't grieve though, because the joy of the Lord is going to be your strength. And he goes on, the Levites calmed all the people, right? This was necessary. The people of God were called, like these are, the, these are our current priests and pastors. They literally calm everybody down. Hey, 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 it's going to be okay. Watch what God's about to do. It is going to be a miracle. Be still, for this is a holy day. Do not be grieved. And so then all the people went away and they went to habaneros and they sent some to the people who didn't have any habaneros and they celebrated with great joy because they now understood the words that had been made known to them. They had trouble understanding the covenant and the promises without a priest that could point them to that. But today the Holy Spirit is activating within all of us the priesthood of all believers. You have access from God's presence to recognize that there is a hope beyond what is in front of us. It is something not seen. The call of God on your family, on your kids that right now you don't see materialized. You're, maybe there's someone that is away from the Lord that is near and dear to your heart. The hope we have isn't based on what is front of us. It is based on the promises of God. Those are what are yes and amen. Those are what we continue to declare as we sing in worship. And we do it day after day is the unjust, what the widow would go before, the unjust judge say, God, grant us your righteousness. And you do it day after day till you wear him down. But our God is not even like that. He is a father who gives good gifts to his children. And he's in the process. He is in the journey. He is in the transformation that is happening in my heart and in yours because he wants us to have joy that is eternal, not based on our circumstances. And so we find that the joy of the Lord is our strength. And so if you're lacking strength today, I'm telling you where to start. It's in the joy of the Lord. And where does joy come from? It comes from, from being in His presence. And so for me, I see that if you, if you need joy that leads to strength in your life in an area, get in God's presence. It couldn't be more simpler than that, but it's something that we overshoot and over. We just, we just don't prioritize it. We don't, we don't make it, you know what? much as I've got to get a shower today, I'm also going to spend time with the Lord. I need to be bathed with His Word. I need to be in the shower of His presence. My wife's like, a shower today? I got four kids. What are you talking about? <laughs> I'll, I'll spend as much time then every other day, every three days. <laughs> Does God have spiritual dry shampoo? I don't know. Like, 
Real, real talk here, folks, real talk. But remember, in his presence, we are filled with this joy. And it's his joy. It is the joy of the Lord. It is not something we squeeze out, we muster up. It is the joy of the Lord. When we're in his presence, we begin to partake. It doesn't matter who, who else's presence we're in. Because even in the presence of our enemies, he sets a table before us. It doesn't matter what circumstances. The joy of the Lord isn't promising you an easy time, a nice skate through life. Instead, it's, it's promising you strength to endure regardless of what you walk through. That's Christianity. I'm sorry if you've heard a different form of Christianity preached where everything's going to be hunky-dory and, and you can just skate through without a trace of, of going through this world that has fallen. But the truth is, is that he would have a joy that was set before him that would cause him to endure things that we're going to get to here in a minute. Because the joy of the Lord is our strength. So make a decision today with me that he's worth meeting with. Because he desires to meet with you. He's waiting. and His arms are open. And in his presence is a fullness of joy. And the joy of the Lord will be our strength. And so turn with me now as we kind of look at the New Testament and look at how Christ exemplified this pattern and this walk. Let me skate ahead here to what Paul would say. How the New Testament would correlate a couple of things that we've already been looking at. Listen to what Paul writes to the church in Rome. He says, be joyful in hope. There those two things are already interlinked and, and married together. Be joyful in your hope, patient in affliction and faithful in prayer. The nature of hope is always this confident expectation of something that will overflow and abound with rejoicing. We are hoping in something that we cannot see, but we tangibly know is a promise guaranteed, and we can't help but be filled with joy when our perspective and our gaze is on that. And so Paul is reminding the church in Rome to sustain yourself with joyful hope, with patience, even in hardship, with faithfulness in your devotion to Christ, in your prayer life, in your communion with Him. And he goes on, he, he attaches this again at the end of the letter. He says to them, he says, May the God of hope fill you. The God of hope fills us with all joy and peace as we trust him. So much of our Advent perspective is all attached together through our perspective of trusting and relying on this good news that you don't have to figure out how to defeat your addiction on your own. That enough self-help books aren't just the answer. But what Christ has done through the power of his blood on that cross breaks the chains today. Brings health and healing that even the doctors may not be able to understand. That the answers we're looking for have always and forever will be eternally based. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust him so that you may overflow with this hope that is by the power of the Holy Spirit. It is infused from heaven. It is charged with the Holy Spirit. It is as Pentecostal as it gets. The Holy Spirit does this in our lives and in our heart. Fills us with hope in spite of what we are facing. This is the New Testament church of Acts 
chapter after chapter. That I love their resume. We were talking with Crystal about how, boy, what we think of leaders today and what qualifies them for, for greatness or the billboard or to be um, at that conference is not the same resume or litmus test that Paul gives uh, for the apostolic, right? What, what's his resume? He writes to the Corinthians, and he's like, well, shipwrecked, beaten this many times, uh, left for dead. You know, th- here's my resume. It's not graduated from here, spent this many years at this ministry, went, you know, grew a, grew a church of this size to this size. No, it's I've endured hardship. And I have a hope that is eternal, that supersedes every circumstance I've walked through. That is the the calling card of the church today. That despite what 2020 throws at us or 2021 has in view, that we are a church that always rises above because we have one who has risen from the dead. That's our proclamation to the world. Instead of wallowing or hiding, we have hope to declare. We have a joy to be filled with. We have a peace to rest in, and it couldn't be more necessary than it is today. And so the hope we experience in Christ, it isn't just enough to get us through our difficulties, but instead it is overflowing, it is abounding, it is more than enough. And it results in a joy that is unspeakable and full of glory. And I believe we see this modeled in Christ. And this is the kingdom. The kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. But would you turn with me to Hebrews 12? I want us to look at Jesus. He's a pretty good example, isn't he? I like, I like him. He's just a pretty good guy. And so we've just ended in Hebrews chapter 11, the hall of faith, where by faith you get all these things done. And you've got, you've got the great of the greats mentioned here. Uh, next semester, we're going to be talking about a ton of them at Kitco. We're doing like all the heroes of the, all the, uh, heroes of the scripture. And, um, but here, Hebrews has just ended that chapter. And those, he's saying all these people who live by faith are this great cloud of witnesses around us today. He says, therefore, since we are surrounded by all these champions who live by faith, By such a great cloud of witnesses, he says, let that be your encouragement to throw off everything that would hinder you now. The sins that so easily entangle you, whatever it is that is is hampering and and hindering, he says, and let us run. He kind of correlates this to a race. Let us run with perseverance the race that is marked out for us. You see, those heroes of the faith, while they are kind of even enthroned upon the life that they lived, they realized that they never saw the fulfillment and the promise of what they were believing for. And they're cheering us on because we get to see the finish line. We have Christ in us, the hope of glory. And we get to fill the earth in all the ways that the seas cover the earth. We get to fill the earth with his glory. And so they're cheering us on and they're saying, hey, don't let anything hinder you. But instead, fix your eyes in this race, the finish line, the fixing our eyes is on Christ. He's the pioneer. He's the author. He's the beginner. He's the one who started this whole thing in your life. And he's the one who's going to finish it. He's the perfecter. For the joy, I love this, for the joy that is set before him, what did he do? He endured that cross. He scorned its shame. 
and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So consider him. Remember Jesus this morning who would endure such opposition even from sinners so that you will not grow weary in this life and lose heart. So let's look at this for a minute. This week I met with, um, I met with a few other pastors, uh, young pastors. I think I may be the oldest in the group. And they're, one is a church planter. One is an executive pastor at a pretty large church in West Knoxville. One is actually getting ready to leave a cush job as a pastor in uh, West Knoxville to just do community transformation in the inner city. Um, and I'm meeting with these guys because I was really drawn to them, even through just the, the cultural crisis, uh, crisis our nation has been walking through this year again. How is Because it's mixed with white, black, we're, we're a mixed group. But I felt like we needed to come together to really hold each other accountable. Um, I'll just, it's really hard when you're in leadership and if you're ever dealing with anything, well, I can't talk to anyone at my church. I can't talk to my board. So that's the reason that this group of men exists is, I don't know if you've seen the news lately, there's been far too many leaders, national leaders in the, in the church world that have fallen uh, to immorality. And we need people. Leaders need people. People in the pews need people. Like, we need each other. Uh, and so that's really crucial, accountability. It's crucial to have. It's crucial to have people that will speak into your life, call you on the carpet when you need it. And so that's what this group of guys is for me. But as, as we were talking, one of them, the church planner, he's funny. He's, he's Baptist roots. But man, he's been, the Holy Spirit's been rocking his world on these Tuesday night prayer walks through downtown. This is what he's been doing during, during quarantine, taking guys. Started with two, it's up to 20. And they just go and they pray and they ask the Holy Spirit to speak to them. And then he does. He's like, Michael, I don't have a theology for this. They're like, let's talk. <laughs> let's talk. And they were at West Town this last week, right? He's bad. He's bad. Bad to Costal, I'll call him now. And, uh, and it's, it's so phenomenal because the Lord's using them, just, just giving them words. And he said, Michael, I just sense as we were talking that, that the, there's so many weights that we carry just as people, as pastors, as just in our world, in our nation. We just carry so much weight. But it's not the weight of his glory. It's not the Shekinah that I'm reading about in the Old Testament. We care, we're carrying different weights. And I said, oh man, isn't that what he invites us to exchange? To just exchange the weights that we're carrying for the weight of his glory that actually brings life, that renews. And so we began to talk about that. And for me, it is fixing our eyes on Jesus. It is perspective that allows us to shift the weights that we're carrying to walking in the weight and the freedom of his glory. And, and, and that is the, the divine exchange that we see ex exemplified even in Christ. And yet it's still received by faith, by this great cloud. It is received by faith, and faith is the key to open the door to that divine exchange, to this relationship that he invites us into. And so we fix our eyes on him because he's our example and he's more than just that. He's the one who started this love relationship. He's the initiator of it. God would send him to wrap himself in flesh and trust himself to humanity so that he can continue to do this time after time and have access to us again. So that he could be with us, that we could enter his presence, that we could actually be overflowing and filled with joy and the strength that comes from that because he wants to spend time with, he wants to be in our presence probably more than we want to be in his. 
And so we look to Jesus in this race. We fix our eyes. This literally means to look away. When we fix our eyes on this race, it means I am intentionally not going to look at what's right in front of me. I don't know if you've ever had any runners in the house, actual runners. I played soccer. I only ran because I had to, right, to get to the ball. Finally became the goalie, so Nolan, too much running for me. And so, but if you're a runner, you know you're not just looking at what's right in front of you. It's the same with, like, you take a driving class, right? You're not looking at right in front of you. You're going to rear end a car. You're looking down the road. As a matter of fact, if you're taking a turn and you want to take it really nice, you're going to look as far as you can, and you're going to begin to shift, right? And so he's saying the, the intentional word here is that you are going to look away when you're fixing your eyes. You're running this race, and you have decided that what is in front of you is not going to be the place of your gaze. Instead, you're already looking to the finish line, which is Christ. You're already looking towards eternal finish lines, which is forever with him in his presence. And it's, it's saying that we are willing to even ignore present circumstances for a reference point that is beyond them. And perhaps even envision the one that we will spend all eternity with. We're running towards him. We've intentionally decided to fix our gaze on him. And then the example that keeps us motivated is still him. He says, for the joy set before him. Joy is what is at the end of this race. The accomplishment, the, oh man, I did it. I, I finished what I wanted to do. I, I started, but I didn't only start because he's the one who started this. He's also going to be the one who's going to finish this in us, the perfecter of our faith. This is a faith run we're in. And it is the joy that we have our eyes set on, not based on what is in front of us, that we can imitate what Christ would even do, which was the joy set before him allowed him to even endure cross, a cross that would lead to his death. I don't know many of us in this room that will probably be martyred for our faith, but today around the world, that's not the same story for many of our brothers and sisters in Christ. Many of them have to imitate this verse and imitate Christ in a way that maybe you or I will never know or understand in this life. God, give us grace if we're ever encountered with that. But our vision is forever fixed on the joy that is set before us. And for Christ, I believe it was me and it was you. It was the redemption of all humanity. It was the purpose for which he came. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. And I believe he is so bent on knowing and loving and having a relationship with each one of us that that joy, his finish line, would allow him to endure whatever came his way, including death on a cross. Scorning its shame and knowing that he will be able to sit down at the right hand of God, which is where the Hebrew author says he is now interceding for us. He is now praying for us. He is our connector to our Heavenly Father through prayer and the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus could see the finish line it concluded with restoration for all humanity. It included the sins forgiven in this room and, and for all the, the, the thousands of years past now since his arrival and, and the relationships that are restored in this house and the, the health that is being made whole and the marriages that are being made new and the lives that are being transformed and addictions that are broken and hurts that are healed. This was the joy that was set before him that he would endure the cross, that he would cry out on his last days with his final breath, Father, forgive them because of joy that filled him. 
And so the Hebrew author would tell us today, think of him. Remember Jesus this season. Consider him who would endure such opposition. Don't grow weary. Don't lose heart. Be filled with joy as you look to the finish line, not what is in front of us. Can you see beyond it? Because with Jesus as our example, we find hope to endure, strength to continue, a joy that reminds us of what is to come. There is a finish line that most in this world cannot see. It is one where there's no more pain, no more tears, no more shame. That's what John tells us in Revelation. That's the fin- That's where we're headed. That's where we're going. There's going to be a new heaven and a new earth that he is establishing. The joy and the hope that we are filled with is because Christ is eternal and he resides in us. And so Matthew, he tells us, he says, hey, when everyone hears this message, and maybe they don't really get it, they don't understand it, it's like the seeds that are thrown out, as Jesus tells the parable, on soil. And they begin to sprout up when they receive it, they receive it with joy. But because there is no substance to it, it withers at the first sight of the sun. So I would encourage you to prepare your heart as soil that when the seed falls on it, your joy isn't short-lived. Your joy isn't based on circumstances or hardships, but instead can endure because it is based on the one who is eternal. And so finally, as we conclude, I want us to go to James chapter 1. Is Bruce still here or did he have to leave? Bruce, would you come up? These people are getting hungry and you playing music will help me go faster. James, the book right after Hebrews. I've referred to it a couple times here lately. But he says this. He says, consider it pure joy. Literally ecstasy. Consider it pure joy. My brothers and sisters, whenever you face even hardship, trials of various kinds, which I know in this room, we're all facing various trials in our life. But he says, consider them joy because, because you know. I love it. James is like, you know. You, you know that what you're enduring right now is producing something else. It's not about what you're going through. It's about what God is doing in the midst of it all. It's not just about the, out, it's not just about the outcome. It's also about the journey. It's about the process. It's about what he's doing in your heart when you continue to endure because you have your vision, your perspective on something that isn't temporary. Because you know that the testing of your faith is producing something. It's producing perseverance. And perseverance isn't going to be able to be able to be produced unless you continue to endure. And let it finish its work. Remember the one, the author of it? He's going to finish it. But we've got a part. We've got a part to play to consider things with pure joy. To choose joy today. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. And he goes on, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault. But don't don't doubt when you ask him. Ask knowing that when you ask, you will receive. Don't be like the waves of the sea tossed to and fro. The wisdom that I believe he's talking to is so that you can discern your season. The wisdom is, is so that we can know that, hey, Lord, regardless of what I'm walking through, you're with me even in this valley. Whether it's the valley of, of Acre, which you can truly make a door of hope even in this trouble that I'm walking through. That comes from Holy Spirit discernment. That's the wisdom that is from above. 
That's the one that is not earthly and demonically charged, but is the one that doesn't lead to bitterness and jealousy like we talked about, but instead abounds with thanksgiving because of a hope that we have received, a joy that is anew and afresh within us. He says, so consider it pure joy. If you want to grow up, grow up in this, receiving wisdom to even imitate Christ who could endure a cross, scorning its shame, knowing that there was something greater on the other side. Amen. Would you pray with me? Would you bow your heads this morning? Lord, I believe that you are constantly developing something inside each and every person that is here. And there may be some that just need special prayer in their relationship with you where they've got someone they want to stand in the gap for, whether it's a miracle physically, financially, a relationship. God, I believe that there are enough trials in this room that just need someone to agree with them and to pray with them, to encourage them and say, don't lose heart. Don't give up. Remember Christ, our King. He is our good news. He will continue to fill you with joy that is unspeakable and full of glory. And it may not keep us from tough circumstances or difficult situations, but it will produce in us something far greater, the character of Christ. And there is good news in this room. Our joy has come. Emmanuel, God with us. So if you're in this place and you would say, Michael, would you just pray with me right now? The things I'm walking through, my family, whoever it may be, if it's you yourself, your relationship with Jesus needs to be renewed and restored. Would you just raise your hand? I can just agree with you this way. Yes, anyone else? Okay, yes, Lord. Thank you that you see us, Lord. Thank you that you know all the details, the ins and the outs of our life, of our hearts. I pray over your people this place, Lord. I pray that you would continue to minister to us in this season that can often, oftentimes be filled with hustle and bustle. May we take time to pause and to enter your presence. Not just sing about coming and adoring you, but truly, Lord, sitting before you in adoration. Would you slow our pace down, slow our heart down so that we can reflect and glorify you well in this season. I pray for the, the heaviness that some people came in here. The weights that they were carrying was not the weight of your glory. I pray right now by the power of the Holy Spirit, there would be a divine exchange. There would be a laying down of the heaviness and the weights that they walked in with. There would be a new lightness and a yoke that is easy because it is the yoke of Christ. We thank you for your glory that is filling the earth, including these earthen vessels in this place. We thank you for this good news. Thank you for the joy that you fill us with. Thank you for the strength you give us today. It's in your name I pray. Amen. We're so glad you've taken the time to listen. If you're ever in our area, we invite you to join us for one of our worship services. For times and locations, please visit at emmanuelag.com. 